The aging patriarch stepped out into an open field and peered deep into the blackness of the night sky. Countless stars stretched as far as his eyes could see. He had tried to count them all before, but the promise of his posterity outnumbering the stars caused him to pause and question, How can this be? He didn't dispute the promise, but he did question how it could possibly be fulfilled in his lineage. The Lord himself had promised, In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Abraham was neither the first nor the last to ask probing questions of eternal significance. Throughout time, philosophers, poets, prophets, people from all walks of life have asked questions bigger than their ability to comprehend. Questions like this, maybe you've asked it. Where did we come from? How did we get here? When did life begin? Why are we here? People have also come up with some rather creative answers to their questions. Answers like mythological gods who were fighting like children or, uh, let's keep this G-rated, cavorting in their passions, we'll say that, to produce a lineage to populate the earth. All the way to random accidents and cosmic explosions that miraculously manufactured a perfect environment in which life forms magically appeared. I'm a man of faith, but embracing some of those explanations requires more faith than to believe the long-accepted traditional view of creation as recorded in Scripture, that basically that everything we see created does have a creator. The Bible tells us the command of God's voice made matter and energy emerge when he simply said, let there be. And when he did, countless millions of stars appeared in the vastness of eternal space. At his word, planets swirled into orbit. Comets blazed trails through timeless trajectories. Earth spun into a perfect sphere to begin its rotation at the perfect speed, allowing a perfect balance of gravity and centrifugal force, making provision for the free movement of living beings God would one day create. Earth's atmosphere provided a perpetual canopy of protection from solar radiation, but allowed just enough transmission of light to provide warmth and an abundance of vegetation through photosynthesis. I know this sounds more like a science lesson, but the God who created the world is the same God who authored science. The planets prescribed revolution around the sun, charted a path for seasons and for cycles, marking days and set time in order so God's ultimate purpose will be fulfilled. For Christians, the biblical account of creation we read in the book of Genesis, it's not only believable, it is the authoritative version of events explaining our origin, answering the questions, where did we come from? How did we get here? When did life begin? Even, why are we here? The scripture record was never intended to be a comprehensive narrative of historical chronology, but rather a theological synopsis of God's plan for the crowning glory of his creation us. God has an incredible purpose for every person born into this wonderful world. And we're going to learn more about that purpose in creation right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Well, good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. 
If you're listening from North America, these United States, or from Canada, happy Labor Day to you. I hope you're enjoying a holiday, maybe even getting a little bit of rest from your labors. Today we are in our fall 2021 series, and we are looking at September 5th, 2021. If you've got your companion student guide, feel free to turn there. Today's lesson is dated September 5th, 2021, and it is entitled Purpose in Creation. If you don't have a student guide, feel free to open up your Bible or turn in your Bible or click on your Bible on your phone. We're going to take a look at the book of Genesis, chapter 2. We're going to read two verses, 7 and 8. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. The word of the Lord says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. If you're like me, you grew up going to a public school, and in that public school education, over the course of that education, you probably heard about the theory of evolution. Many scientists have subscribed to this theory, and some have abandoned a belief in God altogether. Increasingly, however, many ascribe to an idea of intelligent design. And what is intelligent design? Well, those who embrace this idea they recognize there must be an intelligent designer. So this logical loop brings the honest researcher and student back to the premise that there must be a power, whether you call it God, a force, a prime mover, capable of such an advanced intelligent design because the complexity of life in the universe, it's just too intricate to credit its development to random chance or undirected organization. So let me ask you this. How did you derive your beliefs about our origin? We have to deal with that question because we're here. How did we get here? And further, have your views changed over the years? What did you believe when you were younger, perhaps a student? What do you believe now? Somebody with a pretty good imagination, they suggested the Big Bang Theory of Creation that creation happened from just an explosion, a random explosion, that would be similar to an EF5 tornado ripping up a salvage yard filled with acres of car parts only to end up with a gleaming, perfectly, beautifully restored 57 Chevy. That's never happened before. In the aftermath of a storm, only destruction never designed. Neither did our planet emerge from some cataclysmic explosion of space matter. Random destruction, it doesn't create order, it creates chaos. Chaos never produces perfection. At the very least, serious scientists must agree that some prime mover, which was a term coined by Aristotle, some higher power, some intelligent designer, was at work in this elaborate scheme of creation. By definition, creation necessitates a creator. You might have to say some assembly required. <laughs> it can be a misleading statement if you buy your child a new bike Parents, we scramble through these cryptic instructions and insufficient illustrations, try to put all the parts in place, but we've got extra pieces left over once the project appears to be completed. And we always hope, wow, those extra parts, they just throw those in for everybody. They're not essential. <laughs> when God spoke words of creative force, every command contained divine purpose. Creation was not a cosmic experiment just to see, eh, let's see what happens. Every aspect of creation conjoins in symbiotic relationship. All life forms are complementary. 
Life forms that exist support other life forms in their existence. If God had such a grand purpose in microbes and unseen elements of creation, why would he not have an equally grand and greater purpose for the crowning glory of his creation? Us. People have purpose. All of us are ordered, designed, created to serve a greater cause, greater than us. Some people are not more essential or less than others. Everyone is valued. Everyone is precious in his sight. Is there something you've seen or somewhere you visited that caused you to marvel at God's amazing creativity? Maybe the Grand Canyon, maybe the ocean, maybe the mountains. Maybe just an orange-splashed sunset. What has caused you to look up to the sky or look around and marvel at God's creation? Everything God created is magnificently designed and beautifully made. I wonder about the mosquitoes, but God knows. And yet God planned people with a higher purpose than all of his other creation because he desires to have a relationship with every person, every human being created in his image. We're not made to simply add beauty to the scenery. We were created in his image, his likeness, to bring joy, to bring happiness to him through relationship with him. In the beautiful garden of God's design, Adam and Eve had unlimited access to all God made with the single solitary exclusion of one tree, one tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when they chose sin over God, sin violently intruded into their relationship with God. Sin destroyed this communion God had previously enjoyed with them. However, however, God still visited him. God still visited her. God still came because he still cared. He had to deliver the sad news of their eviction, but he also came with a plan for a path back into relationship with him, a promise of redemption from the seed of a woman would come the one who would bruise, who would crush the head of the serpent. God made humanity with the intention of giving us dominion over everything, over fish, over fowl, over cattle, all the earth. The biblical account reveals God formed every animal, every bird out of the ground, brought them to Adam to give them names. And Adam gave names to all cattle, all fowl, every beast of the earth, which established a pattern of hierarchy and authority. We have the rule of the roost. Humans have jurisdiction, responsibility to govern all the earth. We are the stewards of creation. God has prepared for us. We hold this position of leadership because scripture reveals God's purpose in it. From the beginning, God's plan was revealed and the role of mankind established. God made man just a little lower than the angels and set him over the work of thy hands. That's found in Hebrews 2, which was quoting Psalm 8. From his appearance on the scene, Adam understood the responsibility with which he had been vested. He named the other animals and became the steward of the garden God created. And Adam suffered the consequences of his failures and sins. He reaped the benefits of his labor. He understood his unique relationship with God out of all of creation. And when were we created? That's a great question. On the sixth day. And how were we created? Equally great question. From the dirt. God shaped us. He shaped man into the image he planned and according to how he knew he would come in his own body when he came as Jesus Christ. Then, after he formed us, he breathed into us, and man became a living soul. God is the giver of life, and only God has the right to require it. 
God gives value to every living soul. If we were just a product of random evolution, we'd have no quantitative value. Our lives would be expendable. In fact, morality, where would we get that? If it was survival of the fittest, wouldn't we all just fight to stay alive? And whoever died in our wake, well, they should have been stronger. But people were created, designed in the image of God. Every individual has intrinsic value. We're all reflections of our Creator. What ways would people act differently if they believed God created us and was the moral authority over all of us? And let me ask you the converse question. In what ways would people act differently if all of us believed we were a result of random chance and there was no moral authority over any of us? Not only did Adam live and breathe, but he was given a spiritual core, a living soul. The breath of God made this creation unlike any animal, any uncreated thing, certainly unlike the hippopotamus. We don't even look alike. Everything else was spoken into existence by the word of God. But man, the first man was fashioned by the hand of God and God breathed life into him through his spirit. Some maintain the soul is just a mere synonym for life, but the distinction in scripture becomes more apparent, more obvious. Others in the animal kingdom have intellect and reflect emotions and learn skills from their environment, but no other creature was made in God's image. And so carefully designed with God's intention, his thoughtful intention. Some animals are stronger, but we've been able to tame and train them. A variety of animals have adapted to adverse environmental challenges, but humans have been able to devise shelter and survived in almost every environment. The uniqueness of humanity was established from the beginning. We have a responsibility to other human beings. We're also responsible to wisely use the resources with which the earth has been blessed. In what ways are we responsible for the earth and its many creatures? Everything in the earth was created for humanity and designed to bring us pleasure. From those stunning summer sunsets to majestic snow-capped mountains, from frothing ocean waves to velvety grass-carpeted hills, from rugged jutting cliffs of granite to powdery heaps of sand dunes in the desert, God designed the world with infinite creativity and care. Look at the butterfly. Look at the floral blooms. Those are all signatures of God's handiwork. And all of those are God's gift to humanity to bring us joy. This master plan in the mind of our maker included everything in nature necessary for the continuance of life. God prepared a place, then God placed humanity in that prepared place where the oxygen levels would be just right. Adequate seasons would regulate temperatures and synchronize these cycles of growth and harvest, producing lush fruits and delectable vegetables in abundance for all living creatures. Ultimately, God methodically, purposefully prepared everything for humanity, all designed to bring quality and sustenance for our life and well-being. God knows the end from the beginning. He methodically prepared everything for the length of our days, giving us abundant natural resources sufficient to the end of time. So we should value our resources and we should conserve our supply. We should care for our environment. But we should also live free from fear and dread of what could happen a thousand years in the future. A thousand years in the future, God will still be here. When you look at the days of creation, they're building blocks of God's strategic design. Day one, light and night. Day two, divided waters above and below. Day three, dry land and vegetation. Day four, sun, moon, and stars. Day five, fish and fowl. Day six, cattle, 
animals, humans. And day seven, the Lord rested. Let there be light, God said. Those were the first words at the dawn of creation. And the light sustained the elements of the subsequent days of creation. The waters, the atmosphere were next. Elements divided to hold their places, respect their boundaries. Day and night, water and sky. Then the earth and seas designed for fruitfulness all within those first three days. And then in the next three days, God continued to populate and detail the elements of creation. He gave us heavenly bodies to harness the light, reflecting it throughout the heavens. The sun abundantly lighting the day and the moon and millions of stars filling the night sky. The waters filled with fish and all manner of aquatic life. Fowl filled the air as they scattered throughout the earth. By the sixth day of creation, vegetation was already prepared for the cattle and creatures of the earth began consuming their newfound nutrition. The culmination of creation was the design of the first man, Adam. Everything, everything was prepared to sustain life and to give humanity pleasure. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So if God went to such painstaking planning to give us purpose, what is our purpose? What is our responsibility to God? God provided everything we need. Not only did he create everything we need for growth and development of our natural bodies, but also what we need to grow in relationship with him. Through his church, we have fellowship with other believers. We find strength and encouragement we need in times of difficulty. We receive the divine word of God to guide us and order our steps. The privilege of prayer is placed right at our disposal. We can communicate with our Heavenly Father, the God of glory, and He has given us His Spirit so we may possess the power to live as overcomers. Every good gift, every perfect gift has been given to us by God. Let's close our lesson here. God has a purpose for every life. Yes, He has a purpose for yours. Before we were born, God saw our future potential. He plotted the course of our lives, subjected only to the decisions we would make, only the choices we would make as we respond to his call. God called the prophet Jeremiah to be a prophet before he was even born. In Jeremiah's youth, God revealed this plan to him. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nation. Jeremiah's life wasn't easy. He was often lonely, Often depressed. If you've read the book of Jeremiah, you know that. Jeremiah never married. He wasn't permitted to even join to celebrate with others as they celebrated. God gave him unpopular messages and a burning passion to share them with an unyielding audience and rebellious people. And yet through it all, he remained loyal to God and faithful to his calling as a prophet for over 40 years. He would not live to see the nation restored to Jerusalem, and yet he continued to declare God's future purpose for God's people. The word of God given to the people of Judah through Jeremiah continues to encourage and give us confidence for what God will do in our future. Jeremiah wrote God's plans for his people. You've probably seen this on a plaque somewhere. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. God gave that to Jeremiah when God's people were far, far from him. God has a purpose and plan, a wonderful plan 
for our lives. In the words of one of George MacDonald's characters and David Elgenbrod, he said, and I quote, I would rather be what God chose to make me than the most glorious creature that I could think of. For to have been thought about, born in God's thoughts and then made by God, is the dearest, grandest, most precious thing in all thinking. End quote. Consider today, as you enjoy brats and burgers perhaps with your family, consider today all God has done, the great love with which he loves us, and consider how we can continue to grow in our deep and passionate relationship with our God. Let's pray wherever you are, if you would take a moment with me. Let's ask the Lord to help us to not only discover the purpose he has for us, but to live in that and develop and grow in our relationship with our God who created us. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the privilege to know you, to be in relationship with you. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for every flower, every sunset, every sunrise, every mountain peak, every ocean, the canyon, all that you have created for us. We thank you, God. They're all you've created for our pleasure. We thank you, God. We know we were created for your pleasure to have a relationship with you. I pray every one of us today would see purpose in our creation. Every one of us today would know the purpose you have created us for, to bring you glory, to bring you pleasure. And God, help us all to grow in relationship with you, to grow deeper as we walk with you, as we know you, as we read your word, as we study who you are and what you want to do in our lives. God, help us to grow in our relationship with you. We love you. We thank you. We give you praise and glory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, hey, thank you so much for tuning in to God's Word for Life. I hope this episode has been a help to you. And when people ask you some of those deep questions about origin, where we came from, I hope you'll think back to this episode. And you'll think, at the very least, even if you're not a scientific mind, which I was not when I was in school, but you'll think at the very least, there sure is a lot of design in this universe, and it would be odd if all of this design came without the mind of a designer. So share that with them. Share with them what God has done in your life. Share your testimony and your story and let them know who he is to you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to purchase a copy of any of this curriculum, you can do so at godswordforlife.faith. If you would like a student guide to accompany your listening to the episode, you can pick that up at godswordforlife.faith. There you can also get a sneak peek at some of the beautiful content and design this brand new series has come out with God's Word for Life. It's beautiful, full color. The content is excellent. The design is equally excellent. You'll really enjoy and be blessed and grow as we continue this study. Speaking of continuing this study, next week we're going to take a look at the lesson entitled God's Redemptive Plan. That's dated September 12th, 2021. I am looking forward to sharing that with you and always looking forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast 
And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.